Hello. Today I'd like to talk about how to thrive spiritually and psychologically in the apocalypse. <laughs> We're not in an apocalypse, at least not yet, but um, but it may feel like that. So it's, I think, a good time to talk about this kind of stuff. A little bit about me. I don't know when it started, but for as long as I can remember, I've been fascinated with post-apocalyptic societies and uh, how they operated. Um, not so much where they came from, but how they operated. So, um, in my own life, I have a feeling, no, I don't want to say I have a feeling, and with all the research that I've done, it seems pretty likely that we're going to have a mega shift in the world order, like the COVID-19 outbreak could be something that precipitates that. It won't be the thing that causes that. COVID-19 itself is going to be, um, it's just a transitional point. Uh, if we have several um, crises stacked on top of one another, then that could precipitate a whole new world order. Apocalyptic thinking is really interesting. The If you study religious history, you'll see that there were eras in which prophets of the apocalypse became very popular. And they're usually in times of great um, income disparity, power disparity, um, you know, Jesus was in that era of the uh, apocalyptic prophets. There were many before him um, and many around the world in, in different time frames of, of when the society on the whole was feeling um, unfairly treated. So I guess the first thing that I want to make clear is that Apocalyptic thinking, you know, thinking about the apocalypse is a dangerous game. Um, a little bit of a uh, sh personal share. 20 plus years ago, I was really into Gordon Michael Scallion. Uh, any of you who are old enough and were into sort of apocalyptic predictors, uh, I, I wasn't in them for too long, but I was in, into them for long enough. Uh, to be embarrassed by the fact that I was into him. <laughs> he had a map of the world that he um, showed, uh, you know, the, the flooding of the world and the flooding of the West Coast of America, um, which very well could happen with climate change. The way he described it happening with plate tectonics and things like that isn't very likely at all. But, um, but the... I think what draws us into an apocalyptic vision 
is is a feeling that this world doesn't match what our aspirations are to be what we can be. Um, I personally have for many years felt very much in the minority um, in in which that I, I value nature and the relationships of nature more than I value um, sort of human, cultural, uh, and societal norms about behavior. Um, and so I think, I think that it's really important if you're thinking about the apocalypse, if you're thinking about impending doom, if you're thinking about COVID-19 as the thing that's going to turn the tides, which, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm not convinced that it's not going to cause a great, great, deep um, reordering and restructuring, which could cause, you know, wars and more hunger and more environmental degradation. It may or may not. I'm not really trying to predict that. Um, the the probable scenarios of the American hegemony in the global monetary system, the dollars, the dollar being the default fiat currency of the planet, that may uh, may come under fire. It'll really only, and here's sort of a, this is a, more into sort of the details of what I think could be a potential uh, precursor to uh, a new world order, a, a sort of an apocalyptic collapse of the current world order. Um, it wouldn't be apocalyptic in the sense that, you know, we're, not everybody's going to die from COVID-19 and people are going to turn into zombies or, you know, the sun's not going to hit the earth and, uh, or, you know, meteors not going to hit the earth and destroy the atmosphere. Although th those things could happen. Um, but what's more probable is that we have uh, a great glo global restructuring of power. And when you have a global restructuring of power, um, things get messy. Uh, people who have a lot of power don't want to let it go. And they basically usually go to war to try to keep it. So, you know, nuclear Armageddon could be on the table again. If once the U.S. starts to decline in its privileged role as the um, world currency of the planet. But that, you know, the, the, w there's a lot of people who say that. But then what, what people don't say is the rational tail end of that, which is that the, in order for people to replace the dollar, they need something other than the dollar that they trust that their money is safe and that it is a uh, honored medium of exchange. And we just simply don't have that. Now, the, the day that that happens, and it could happen, it could be a technological invention, it could be one of the cryptocurrencies, it could be something else. Um, it could be when the cryptocurrencies become um, sort of mainstreamed in their use and the blockchain technology starts to be uh, filtered more throughout the um, central banking systems. Uh, but when that happens, if that happens, it, it will happen. When it happens is, is the big question. Uh, that will cause a, a great restructuring of global power, which again, which will be super messy. Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to say, uh, I, personally, I'm not going to build a bunker and try to ride out nuclear holocaust. I think I'm just, if that comes, then I guess that's going to be end game for me. Um, but what I will do is 
try to separate myself from the global corporate financial governmental monetary system which uh, in my view although it has a lot of uh, benefits for a lot of segments of society um, fundamentally is flawed in the way that it distributes power and wealth throughout um, various people in the world um, so whether or not, I guess this is kind of the point. When I have these talks, I generally don't know the point until I talk about them for a while. And, and I think one of the points is, is that only go for your post-apocalyptic dreams of, you know, having a farmstead in the country or, um, you know, complete financial independence from the banking sector uh, or, you know, complete... Um, energy independence from fossil fuels and uh, well I think anyone can should be striving for complete energy independence from fossil fuels at this point um, but whatever your particular flavor of self-reliance is to face the uh, whatever flavor of apocalypse that you're facing I think a more important way to or the, the healthiest way to approach uh, prepping or apocalyptic living is to have a plan in which you would be happy whether or not society collapsed. So if you uh, have always dreamed of being in the country and growing your own food and having your own power, and um, then you should totally do that. If that is not a, you know enticing to you, then that's probably not a good plan for you. Um, you know, it, it, it's the the dysfunctional preppers slash apocalypse talkers and thinkers and and conspiracy theory people all of that is a projection of a victim mentality so if in any way you feel victimized by the current state of crisis or the current state of mega structure uh, and with government and power and and corporate and money um, with all that stuff if you're running a victim narrative in your head, which we all do from time to time. But if you're running a victim narrative, if you're saying to yourself, man, I would be able to, you know, have a better job or I wouldn't have to work or I'd have an awesome house if it just weren't for fill in the blank, the corporations, the global monetary system, the uh, Illuminati, the uh, degradation of the environment. The, whatever those things are, if if you're saying to yourself and you fill in the blank, now here's the rub that you gotta be honest. And we're we're notorious. Human beings are notorious for not being able to see ourselves. You know that's why your friend can see all your flaws and you can't. Um, that's why you can see all your friends' flaws uh, and they can't see them. Um, it's because you know it's delusion, self-delusion, is a primal survival strategy which you know you don't have to look very far to see that it's everywhere and i grew up you know when i was an, a young idealist uh i thought that i was going to be able to change all these people and 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 show them the light um you know and and every time you're on a crusade you're always trying to heal a part of your damaged ego along the way um and so as my damaged ego got healed I didn't need to convert people anymore. What I instead learned how to do was to 
adopt those dark places of myself, the place that needs power, the place that needs reassurance, the place that uh, wants to be right, and allow those things to be normal, allow those things to be, because um, we don't, um, we're never going to get away from that. And if you're looking at your opponent, um, you know, let's say you're, uh, let's say you're a liberal and you're, you know, fighting against the Republican agenda, the Republican environment, let's say you're environmentalist and you're fighting against the Republican anti-regulatory agenda to save what's left of the diversity of life on earth today, um, or to save what's left of the diversity on life today by, by acknowledging that we're disrupting the entire ecosystem base through, through the climate crisis. I'm sorry, I have to segue real quick. Anyone who's listening to this, please stop calling it climate change. I'm pretty sure that that term was invented by the right in order to make it sound, uh, it might not have been, but I don't know. I'm not pretty sure. I heard that and that made total sense to me, but I, I guess the, the bottom line is, is it's a bad way of characterizing what's happening. It is truly a crisis. It's a crisis of epic proportion at the same level that COVID is a crisis of epic proportion. And it is just as deadly and just as silent. So hopefully people are going to start waking up to that. But then again, you can't underestimate the power of self-delusion, your own or anybody else's. The better way to approach it is to acknowledge that everybody's coming from a place of trying to protect their own identity. I mean, all you got to do is look at the president of the United States. All he does all the time is try to protect his image. If anything tries to damage his image, he tries to do something that will raise it back up whatever the cost. And that's just an extreme example of what many of us, so we all like to think we're totally, not all, but many of us like to think we're very different from that. Um, and in order to really be truthful and to be more masterful in our own psychic space, we have to acknowledge that we have those same elements, that we tow irrational, unconscious lines all the time in order to preserve our identity. There's actually been tons of, or not tons, but there's been plenty of wonderful studies that show that the more ego you get wrapped around your successes, the less accurate you become in your predictions. So the more accolades you win, the more money you make, all of that stuff makes you less able to see what's actually happening outside of you because you have so much invested in your identity. So again, when you're approaching the apocalypse, the first thing to approach is your own reason for gravitating towards it. Now, more and more people are gravitating towards it now because of the crisis that we're in. Um, but if you are already in that space or if you're now heightened in that space, First, just look at what is the victim narrative and, you know, be brave enough to say, I have a victim narrative. We all have victim narratives. And then the question is, 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 will you let it go? And then the important thing is to let it go in a way that's uh, intelligent, that's uh, honoring the data, um, that is, um, you know, not stabbing you in the eye and making you feel like you're, you're going to feel like a bad person. That's what happens. But you, so the larger, the bigger you want to go down this path of really seeing reality, the bigger you have to be able to be, uh, to die a little death. The petite mort, as the French call it, um, 
but you have to be able to throw your identity under the rug in order to see the truth. That's the same idea of the Buddhist concept of the beginner mind. The only the the the, the, the idea behind that is to is to start to question your fundamental assumptions, to start to question why you believe what you believe and where did it come from and what what do you gain from it? And would it actually be more in line with who you really are to let it go? So you know, in a lot of ways, I personally have, um, I was on this journey in the apocalyptic world where I was preparing for it to the best of my ability. Um, not very well, actually, uh, and still am preparing for it. Um, but what's changed as I've um, gotten better, you know, as you get older, if you're working on yourself, you'll get better at being you. Um, that, you know... There's no such thing as a wise elder just because they got older. People get dumber as they get older or they get wiser as they get older. I, I really hate the liberal narrative that, oh, we should honor our elders because they've been here longer than us and they, they've seen more than us. Well, that's true if they learned how to open their eyes and to battle the narrowing of the viewpoint that naturally happens with age. If you're not battling that narrowing, then you are not getting wiser and there's no reason to pay attention to that elder other than to see what not to be. Much like we don't have initiation rites for youth, especially young men um, who go to gangs in order to get the intensity which they require to break through their childhood, boyhood identities. You know, if we had positive role models for that of nonviolent warriors who were working for uh, global harmony and, and global abundance and, uh, and global peace, uh, combined with a respect for the regional differences and the regional um, dialects of culture that are everywhere on earth. If we had that, we would have a lot less uh, violence. We'd have a lot less war. We'd have a lot less crime. Um, but since we don't have that, that's, you know, in some cultures, there's remnants of that left. But in, in most cultures, it's completely gone, or especially in the United States culture and Western cultures, it's, it's almost entirely gone. It's free for all. But the point I was trying to make was in the same vein of that, we do not have initiation into elderhood. Um, so people are not put through a trial like a council of elders to see if they had actually made the mark of the transition from childhood, uh, gratifying me, selfish desires into an elder place where they actually came from a holistic inspired motivation. Um, I can't say that I'm there yet. I hope to be. Um, and I certainly hope I'm on the path. I have a superstition that once I'm there, people will start listening to what I have to say. And until I'm there, I'm just going to keep, you know, talking to myself. <laughs> so back to the apocalyptic thinking. One of the main points is to question your reason for believing in the apocalypse uh, and make sure that you are um, not running a victim narrative that says, and the victim narrative is always the same. It's always like, if it weren't for the COVID or if it weren't for the government or if it weren't for the corporations or if it weren't for uh, the megalomaniacs or if it weren't for the rich, then I would. And it's always, if it weren't for, then I would. So if you think those thoughts and if you say those things out loud or if you say, if then, then we would. 
then you're creating a, a communal um, uh, group, your tribe. So you have a tribe of victims and that tribe of victims will stay a tribe of victims until the end or until they die out. Um, so, you know, in, in a lot of ways, a tribe of victims is very powerful unit because they hold each other together and they share resources with each other and they can effectively keep themselves alive. And that is why victim narratives have survived to this day and still thrive in a large percentage of the population. Now they're not a majority besides what, excuse my burp, besides what, you know, the majority of control and power in the United States would make you think that's a very small percentage of the population. I think it's, you know, the population of the United States, I think it was 25 ish percent that believe that narrative and are holding that narrative. Unfortunately, they vote more than everybody else. So that's why that power narrative exists. So think of solutions in your post-apocalyptic world. Uh, I, I still love the post-apocalyptic world. It feels to me more free than the current world. And again, I have a bit of a victim, victim narrative, which I need to push through, or I need to reveal, need to bring light to the dark narratives that are still in my psyche. But I still think it's valuable. I know I've made some steps along the path. I used to just be stuck in a total victim narrative, and now it's just a partial victim narrative. But I do think that it's valid. You have more power to be truly yourself. If you have your own food, if you have your own water, if you have your land without a bank involved, um, if you have you know heat from the sun, and um, if you can get most of your needs met from your homestead, or uh, the next level would be community self-reliance from your community. Um, and I would caution against joining a community that's victim-driven because you will, you know, the idea that we often all revolve around is, oh, I see the flaws in this community. I'm going to join it and transform it. 99.99% of the time that does not happen. The only time it happens is when you usurp the leader and become the cult leader yourself. So don't do that. Just pick your communities wisely and find one that aligns with your values and will give you a sense of independence and power and freedom. But not as a reaction, as a proactive idea. It's like I could do, I could grow more vegetables, I could harvest more water, I could put more mulch on my garden, I could make YouTube videos that maybe no one's gonna listen to, I could do all those things and they make me feel more empowered in myself. And I'm not blaming anybody that my life sucks for one reason or another because of this giant global conspiracy or, you know, or disease or governments or corporations or the environment. So be your own solution. Be your own leader. Uh, align with people on those levels. And I wish you the best of luck. And please send me questions. I'd like to interact with people and hear what you have to think and what you have to say. Thank you.